You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show brought to you by InfluenceAlliance.com, the business building community for change makers who want to build a sustainable and scalable business they love. And yes, I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says you do not get paid what you're worth you get paid what you negotiate. And joining me on today's show is Derek Arden. Now, Derek is an international negotiator. He's an author of 10 books, chat show host, and one of three people in the UK who has been awarded the top three awards by the industry body. Now, Derek's best-selling book, and we'll get him to hold that up so you'll know exactly what the cover looks like in a moment, but this book, Win-Win, How to Get a Winning Result from Persuasive Negotiation. Well, that's available on Amazon in English and in Chinese. Now, on today's show, Derek is specifically going to share how to increase income from the secrets of professional negotiation. He's going to talk about sales, influencing, negotiation ploys, maneuvers, and all of those tactics, as well as how to have more confidence dealing with difficult people and difficult situations. So welcome to the show, Derek. Thank you, Anne-Marie. It's a great pleasure to be with you all the way 9,000 miles apart. It is. It certainly is. And uh, by the way, we are streaming live. And of course, we are going to be recording this as an audio podcast. But if you are watching us live from around the world and you have a question, because I know negotiation is one of those things that you can struggle with. So please feel free to leave your questions in the comments section and I'll bring them into today's conversation. Derek, what was it about this topic that drew you to that? I mean, you've got a vast background in this, of course, written many books about that. But what initially attracted you to the area of negotiation? Well, Anne-Marie, I was was working for Barclays Bank, a big international bank, as you know, which was worldwide at the time. And um, I was um, head of relationship management for Barclays in the large corporate sector. And I got uh, thrown out of the third largest retailer in the world in 30 seconds for not reducing my price on a million pounds contract. And I had one of those wake up moments that we all have in life, which was um, I thought I was a pretty good negotiator, but uh, pretty good is not good enough when you're up against um, um, a large retailer who employs experts at negotiating. And so I was uh, musing on the station, having been thrown out. I was going to tell the chairman of Barclays that I'd lost a million pound contract. Uh, and I thought I better get up to speed on this. And that night I went out and bought, bought the only book uh, written by a Brit at the time, uh, Everything is Negotiable by Gavin Kennedy. And um, never thought that 20 years later I would be writing a best selling book around the world. And I did. I sharpened up and uh, you know, it was unconscious incompetence, I think. You know, I didn't know what I didn't know and um, started reading it. And that's what I find with a lot of people. They think they're good negotiators because they should be, because children are good negotiators, great at getting their way with mum and dad, auntie and uncle, grandpa and grand, uh, grandma. But, of course, um, then we think that's just an intuitive skill we can carry through as we uh, as we go through the world, and it's not 100%. 
Oh, absolutely. Totally agree. One of the things that I read in one of our, you know, quite large newspapers, national newspapers, was an employer who remained, un- who wanted to remain unnamed, but they admitted that when they were negotiating salaries with incoming employees, depending on whether they're male or female, they typically offered women less than their male counterparts. And one of the reasons when wow. they were asked why was well, women don't really negotiate. They just accept the first uh, payment. So ladies, listen up. We've got a lot to learn from Derek. Increasing income from the secrets of professional negotiation. I mean, we're, we've only got time today to uh, to scratch the surface, but what are some of the key insights we need to know around negotiating? Well, when you're selling, and so if we're talking about income, we're selling, we're either selling uh, because we work for ourselves or we're either selling for the company we work for. So uh, you could be talking about increasing your salary, as you just mentioned, or you just could be talking about increasing your sales or increasing your return on investment or your profit margin, your gross profit margin on your sales. So it's very important that the first impression, your product unique selling points are all positioned at the high range of the price. And that includes everything that uh, you do from the way the phone's answered, from your emails, from your website, etc. And then on top of that, your own personal brand and how does your own personal brand come across? And of course, this is all part of the preparation and the positioning for the negotiation because if you don't look expensive if you don't look high quality um, if you don't look unique then guess what you're going to get negotiated down to the lowest uh, common denominator which of course will be a transactional uh, sale rather than um, a value-added relationship sale so positioning is really important then from positioning we come to anchoring a high price expecting to get a high price because you can always negotiate down but you can't negotiate back up so if you start high you can bring your price down you could discount it for certain reasons you could take small things out of the product or you could put small things back in when i'm running a seminar or a master class either on zoom or face to face um i pitch my price high and then i can take out the books that come with the seminar Uh, so you know i want everyone to take a copy of my book away a signed copy of my book because it's got 30 years of experience in it and uh, took two years to write so i will put the book in the price and then if people want to negotiate me down then i will uh, take the book out and upsell it or downsell it and uh, people don't realize how many variables and that's the word that the negotiators call it which are small inexpensive things you can either put in the price or take out the price etc and uh, that's that's what we can do and of course car dealerships do that and it's done to us all around the world so we ought to be doing it with ourselves and i must talk about salary you're absolutely right it's very interesting the statistics all around the world is are that women earn 17% less than men for doing the same job. And that's a frightening statistic, isn't it? And, um, you know, we're not allowed to talk about the difference between men and women anymore. We have to be much more careful. But I do say to the ladies listening to this and to the gents, but uh, my my, uh, statistics in the UK is that uh, men will ask more and ask for more than women will do generally and that is just my personal experience from studying this and if you don't ask you don't get and if you don't ask you don't give the other person the opportunity 
to say yes to you mm. and if you ask and they say no what have you lost apart from just a little bit of self-pride yeah great great points there Derek uh, sometimes one of the things that I often hear is when uh, a consultant is going to speak to a specific client that is more of a project based so they have to customize what they're offering and one of the things and I'd love you to speak into that one of the reasons that I find they're struggling to even come up with a price is they really haven't done their background on understanding the needs of of that particular client so that they could really put together one of those packages that that really is going to deliver the value and, 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 you know, help the client overcome those particular challenges. When it does come to kind of customising a unique package, is does that have differing negotiation uh, tactics, manoeuvres, so to speak, when you're approaching a, a new client? Well, I think it all depends on the way you're selling and presenting it. If you're presenting... Um, an off-the-shelf package that you presented to somebody else last week. That's very different to customising and putting the client's name on it, taking a photograph of their offices or their website, putting that on the on the front sheet, and then and then tailoring it to them. So it's the work that needs to go into it behind the scenes before, and that's why preparation is the key issue on selling, negotiating, influencing, depending on uh, what you're doing and how you're doing it. But you want to give them a really professional pitch, wouldn't you, even if it was off of your word processor, you'd want at least half the pages changed to bespoke it. And you are absolutely right, and my view is because people are generally lazy. It is actually human nature to be a bit lazy but if you want to earn a lot of money and if you want to be a consultant that pitches a high and high value added like I do then you want to uh, bespoke it for the clients that make a real difference I'm a great fan of the 80-20 rule Prato's law and 20% of the clients will earn you 80% of the income and 80% of the clients will earn you 20% of your income so make sure you got your ladder up, up against the right wall and that you're pitching to the people that uh, we've got a good chance of winning the business. Uh, so pre-qualifying them is very important and then bespoke it and bespoke it to them and then build relationships with the, with the key, key decision makers. Yes. Something else that I've heard, and I'd love you to, to speak into this is, and maybe this is the kind of being lazy or maybe not really wanting to have a conversation and leaving it up to the potential client where you put together a proposal, you email it off and then you wait for the, for the person to come back to you. What do you say about that? Because I know that this happens a lot. Kind well, of, like, of course, you very often don't get a response to that, do you? And you don't know why you didn't get a response. You don't know whether it's because they didn't like your proposition or the email didn't get through. Anne-Marie, I don't know if you know, there's, um, there's some research statistics at the moment that which says up to 30% of emails don't get to their final destination. Wow. And uh, Gmail and Yahoo are particularly strong on uh, exiting emails because they're totally overwhelmed with emails. So this is the problem. The internet's bust and uh, it can't cope with the volume of traffic. So I tend to, to resend it or uh, I resend it and say, uh, here it is. If you haven't had a response in a couple of days, sorry, this probably got caught by the spam police. I'm just resending it and I'll give you a call tomorrow to make sure you've got it or a text because text is people send to answer texts where they won't answer email so if you have got the key players uh, mobile and that's pretty crucial if you can and it's usually on the business card anyway um use that form because emails are 
emails are tricky at the moment they really are and people all the time people want to negotiate by email which of course is the worst oh. form of negotiation the best is face to face the second is zoom by miles mm -hmm. and then we come to the phone and then just that one-way communication on email which can be totally misunderstood like on facebook whatsapp and everything else yeah and of course um you know absolutely face to face is is primary the the as you said that mode of communication particularly when you're meeting with the key decision makers but of course what's happened around the world may not necessarily allow for that but certainly go to the next best option and that would be zoom and, and face to face via that uh, video link what would you say then to people who uh, are speaking to someone you mentioned something earlier and i think this is key Make sure you are speaking to the key decision maker. How can we determine whether we're speaking to the key decision maker? Is there strategy around that? Well, you can't. You, you kind of intuitively have to do it because the problem is if I'm talking to you and you're not the key decision maker, how do I get past you? to your boss without upsetting you and if i upset you you're hardly going to recommend it so it is it is a tricky one but if you're my main contact but you're not the decision maker then what i really need to do is to make sure that uh, you are recommending it up so is there anything else i need to give you Anne marie before um you know before the company makes the final decision and is there anything i can help you get it agreed on my behalf and using that sort of language. I can't bypass you or I'm going to hack you off totally. Yes. So, um, and that's what some people try and do. I remember I was working in banking. They used to say to me, why aren't you talking to the finance director? I said, because the treasurer is the key person with the banks, but he has to put it up to the finance director and the board to get agreement. And some people couldn't see that, you know, the aggressive investment bank, hedge fund manager, just get in there and do it type of sales technique, which you and I don't know doesn't really work from a relationship management point of view, from a relationship point of view. Yeah. So, yeah, I would just say, you know, Emery, are you um, are you able to recommend this? You, you know, that's that's a real, real question. And, you know, if you're not and you're going to tell me a lie or a fib, I'd be able to see it in your body language as long as I'm in on as long as I'm on Zoom. Yeah, yeah. And you Great. can read body language on Zoom, despite what people tell you. It's actually quite easy if you pay attention. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what you just said, I think, is really key. You know, if you're not speaking to the key decision maker, you don't want to um, annoy them or want to bypass them. Similarly, when you hear of conversations where a sales representative has completely bypassed a husband and wife who might be there speaking to the gentleman and then they leave and the wife says, well, they completely ignore them and they realise that a lot of times the wife can really influence the purchase decision can't they absolutely well um i've interviewed some car dealerships and the best ones most car dealerships will because it's a kind of petrol head male normally the car the, the guy will will talk to the man which absolutely hacks the wife off but in the really good ones. So I work with a Porsche dealer um, and he said, what I do is when people come in, we give them two minutes to walk around the showroom and then we just approach them gently and we ask them if they'd like a tea, coffee or water. We don't say, would you like one? We just go tea, coffee or water. And the person that answers is the decision maker.
Oh, yeah. So it's not would you like one because they might say no. We want to give them one and we want to hear the answer. And the first person to answer is the decision maker. How about that? Now, you can argue the toss, that's not right. But actually, with any sort of psychology and sales, I go with my gut feel. And that sounds right to me, doesn't it to you? Oh, it, it does. And you know what? I think if you're speaking and, and you've got two people there, I mean, include them in the conversation. There's nothing worse than if you are with someone else and the other person speaking, it's almost as you're not in the room. It's just common sense and politeness, isn't it, to to include well, both people? Well, when people are not speaking to Sally, my wife, I try and look them in the eye and then I try and look at my wife and give them a big clue. But usually they're so in the zone and they're so just talking to me and I'm thinking, God, get a grip because if my wife doesn't like you, you're not going to close this sale and you're going that yeah, way. Right. Hey, you help me here, you know, let's convince her that we Absolutely. need to It's daft, isn't it? It's so daft and it's obvious. Obvious. Yeah. And most things are obvious. Well, I love that. Yeah. 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 So good. But let's talk about uh, some of the problematic people, some of the people who are more difficult uh, in difficult situations, because if someone is struggling to come to the negotiation table to have that, if you're sitting in front of someone who's quite direct or very different in their approach to you, that can be um, kind of off-putting too. So what strategies and uh, tactics do you have for us there? Well, first of all, you've got to put yourself in the other person's shoes. So everyone's different. So you should... um um you should be thinking about them and of course in those first few seconds if they are a very direct person with no small talk then don't try small talk and you'll get a clue from that won't you when you when you meet them when you shake hands when you fist bump them or on zoom you know i think a handshake's a wave um etc to connect and uh and build rapport and if they want to be straight into it like that tesco finance director i was telling you about then you've got to be straight into it it's much more difficult because the stats say that you should spend five minutes uh, building rapport and in small talk for every 60 minutes of sale or sales on or negotiation but if it's absolutely clear that the guy's only got 15 minutes you want to get into the reasons you're there and the um, the three reasons you want them to uh, buy your product so you've got to I mean it was Dale Carnegie that wrote the uh, first ever book didn't he how to win friends and influence people which is uh, almost a bible for selling put yourself in the other person's shoes what do they want to achieve and if you can help them get what they want then you can get what you want so again it's reading the situation a lot of people have low empathy low sensory acuity and they don't make the best salespeople at all the best salespeople are people that listen listen with their two ears and their two eyes to what the person's saying how they're saying it and what their body language is saying yeah what about um, situations where someone does um, respond so this is a prospective client and does respond well I can get something a lot cheaper um, down the road or you know with one of your competitors however you know that the package or program that you've put together really is extreme value and you don't really want to discount it or what are some ways in which to approach that so that it is a win-win but ultimately that you're not discounting to the point where you just know that, yeah, it's not paying for the value that you'll be giving them. Well, that's the, um, I mean, that is just a negotiating tactic, isn't isn't it, to get you down. So you do need to know your research and you do need to know whether it's a like for like 
quote for the person. So is this something that those people can do? Is it true? Is he telling the truth? Is she telling the truth? And we can pick up the body language uh, and suss that out. But we need to listen to exactly what they say. But if they say, well, we can get it 30% cheaper, well, is it exactly the same service? Uh, do you get the same relationship management? You know, do you get the 24-7, pick up the phone and ring me at any time, which sometimes I throw in. People never ring you up 24-7, but it's a great USP to to say. And then if they do say it's still 30%, well, I think I uh, I have to recommend to you that you take their offer. Uh, I'm very disappointed that... Uh, Personally, because I would have loved to have done business with you because we get on so well and I understand your business. But here's my card. Here's my phone number. If they can't supply you with what you want, do give me a ring at some stage and um, I'll take it over. So you want to uh, never, never slag off the competition, never slag off the other offer and just just worry them a bit that they're not going to get the same service as you. Never cut your you know never cut your throat and cut the customer off i'm never going to talk to you again offer them your business card and then if they get in a mess with these other people you can charge them an extra 20 percent on top to dig out the mess if you want to you may choose not to you know you should do business with people you like and not who you don't like since i've worked for myself I seriously don't do business with people I don't like. If they start yeah. doing that messing around 30% cheaper and, well, you know, go for it. I recommend you you take it. You won't get 24-7. You won't be able to ring me. You won't be able to ring them on a Sunday if something goes wrong, etc. So, you know, and I'm, I am 24-7 in a way because I take a lot of time off when it suits me, you know, during the day when the weather's nice. Go down the beach. Yeah. So, if they want to ring me on the beach with my mobile, yeah. that's fine. That's just fine. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now, that's a fair point, and I think it beautifully segues back to what you were saying earlier, is when you put your package together, you may include within that um, some aspects so that if they look at reducing the price, you can say, look, we can. I can look at that reducing that package. What would you like to take out of that? Mm. And, you know, Oh, that's a great thing if you've got some books in there or there may be some programs in there or aspects of that that doesn't necessarily. And I often would imagine, and I've heard this, that when you when you start to have the conversation, what would you like to take out of that? And then we can certainly look at reduce. Oh, no, we don't really want to take anything out of that. And uh, that's uh, just a great way to kind of come back, have that discussion. Because sometimes if people are just... Just seeing where things will land, won't it? And if you continue to, to re-emphasise the value, what they're getting, what it's going to be out helping them to generate the outcome they're looking for, sometimes they'll say, you know what, let's do it. Let's 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 sign on the dotted line. Is that been in your experience? Once you start to look at reducing things, what do you want to deduct, take out of the program, and we can see if I can look at the price. People generally don't want to take anything out, you know, because they come to you're talking to them because you've pitched them and you put all those uh, nice extra value added things in, and that's why they're talking to you. And now they're just having a punt to see if they can get you down, and that's where you mustn't lose your call. A lot of people just, you know, just drop their price. Just like that. Well, and you know, and then they tell me I coach a lot of people on this uh, all over the world. Actually, I'm coaching a person in Chicago and a lady in um, lady in San Francisco tonight. I keep them to you know, I, I, they need a mentor to help them keep their nerve to keep the price up, and um, because they say I'm really busy, and I say, well, yeah, you're really busy because you're not charging enough for what you uh, for your service, uh, and therefore you can't cope 
and at the end of the day, raise your, I'll help you raise your prices by 30%, then, yeah, you will lose some business, but you've got too much business anyway, so you need the higher value higher value business, yeah, and so as you go to take it out, and then you just have to let them think about it and then send them an email when you get back to the office and say, well, you know, thanks for seeing me. I hope I wish you well, but remember, I'm here if you need mm. me at any yeah. time. And here's my mobile number. So you don't hassle them and look like you're desperate for it. You just keep that door open, give them the clues and worry them that you're not going to get the same service. Yeah, and uh, that's that's one of the things that I think many people don't really consider and you beautifully um, showed us how to have that conversation. Sometimes in a negotiation is knowing when to walk away from the table politely with assertiveness but always keeping that door open because you never know, as you say, they may take the contract, which is 30% cheaper, but realise that the value that they're getting is, you know, 100% less than what they would have gotten for you and then they can come back. So you just don't know where that conversation may lead and you could decide whether or not you want to work with them depending on how they've responded to you because the negotiation is a two-way street, isn't it? You're really seeing, do I want to work with this client? Um, because no doubt a lot of the, the higher level projects require high level touch, high level touch and, and often on an ongoing basis. So that's really important. Completely changes that relationship, doesn't it, from the point of view of the prospective um, consultant or, or a coach, depending on what service you're offering. Absolutely. And you want to have a, a close relationship with the person and, and, and they want you. So, you know, you could say, well, yeah, that's fine. But uh, clearly I won't be able to be so involved in the project. I'll give you my uh, I'll give you my assistant, Bob and yeah. um, or Julie. And, um, you know, oh, OK, no, actually, actually, it's you I want, Derek. So there's, there's a number of factors there. Um, yeah. and, and they're all very important. And I was just going to mention, if you anchor the price high from neurolinguistics and psychology, you know, I will say if uh, somebody wants me to speak at a conference, that's, well, how much do you charge, Derek? And I just go, well, my normal price is £5,000. Um, now, um, I don't always get £5,000, and I, the key word there is normal. And therefore, mm -hmm. if they say, oh, wow, you know, we didn't have that in our budget. Well, I don't want to be sitting at home, do I, doing nothing and turning down £2,000 if I can do it on Zoom. And so um, I can then say, well, you said that's a bit expensive. Uh, what did you have in mind or what's in your budget? You know, and this is me as a speaker, but it applies to anything anyone does that's a value-added service. And uh, they said, well, you know, we weren't expecting to pay any more than uh, £3,000. And I'm going, oh, okay, I've just got them up for 1000 what they said. Okay, well, I could probably do it. I could probably take out the books and the CDs and the extra mentoring afterwards and do it for £3,500. How does that sound? So, again, we've had that. We've gone from five to two to three to three and a half and taken some products out. And uh, we now know, we can see now, can't we, or we can feel whether we're getting buying signals or not because we're getting buying signals. That's good. Yeah, and, yeah. again, it's better to do something for nothing than nothing for nothing, which is my most favourite uh, saying from my mentor because I've got lots of mentors that uh, I work with and help me. And, of course, uh, I also help a lot of people mentoring on this uh, important subject where there's no right answer, which is why you generally need a bit of help. 
We do. So go ahead, Derek. Show. Uh, I've promised uh, people that you would ha- hold up your book. I know in some countries don't sell, but you know what? This is uh, my show, so I want to to You're make very sure. kind. And I'm going to I'm going to show you the English version and the Chinese version. Now, mm-hmm. apart from my name on the cover of the Chinese version, you don't really know whether that is my book, but I can assure you it is. And yeah. uh, I got a paid a small royalty. There's not much money in books, as you know, but it was. Uh, an honour to have it uh, have it translated into Chinese. So, well, you probably can't see that, but that's uh, that's Chinese, and it's uh, it's my thirty years of experience of um, of negotiating stories and uh, things I've been in where I was bugged in Paris and uh, sworn at in Chicago uh, and all sorts of things. And two years two years to write because I'm really a speaker. I'm much more comfortable in this environment than sitting on my own writing a book. But we had a fabulous editor at uh, Pearson. So it's, uh, I know in Australia, you can, um, you can certainly get it on a Kindle now for about Mm -hmm. six, $6. The price goes up and down like a yo-yo, but uh, around the world, um, you can get it. And uh, yeah. Website. Yeah, the pitch on the back. So what's yeah. the website? That they well, the website is www.derekarden.co.uk or .com and um, there's uh, over uh, over 300 videos on my YouTube channel, which is Derek Arden, linked to me on LinkedIn, um, Instagram. Those are my social media. But the most important thing is my email address, action at derekarden.co.uk, if uh, if you want any details of how I could mentor or coach you on that, holding the price, holding the negotiations, using unique selling points, using the variables to upsell and downsell and get paid what you're worth yes. um, because you don't get paid what you're worth if you get out negotiated. You need to make sure you really do understand that subject. The last thing I was going to say, Anne-Marie, at a, at a piece of research at UK Business School, Henley Management College, uh, they found that uh, the good negotiators got paid twice as much as the average negotiators. And this is on the senior executive course, uh, which was very interesting, as rated by their bosses. This is a crucial subject for anybody in business. And uh, it was um, it was said um, by Carol Dweck in her best-selling book Mindset, which some people will have read, that uh, you can't be a good business, you can't be good in business unless you're a good negotiator. Yeah, there you go. We'll end on that and make sure you get Derek's book and let that be uh, something that you, if you're struggling with, that it's certainly something you get comfortable with because it sounds as if once you do, it really can impact the bottom line of your business. So thanks once again for coming on the show, Derek. And thanks for inviting me, Anne-Marie. Hope to see you again. This podcast is brought to you by theinfluencealliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry? while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.